On today's headline update show for Ranting Politics, we cover the following headlines. Special Counsel John Durham releases a mind-bending report. Seattle's crime now shuts down mail delivery. And Montana kicks TikTok out of their state. People, today we're going to discuss our, the release of special counsel John Durham's report. This document, three years in the making, has stirred up a whirlwind of reactions, revealing the deep-seated biases and political maneuverings that have been at play since the beginning of this saga. Durham, a veteran prosecutor, has concluded that the FBI should never have initiated a full investigation into the connections between Donald Trump's campaign and Russia during the 2016 election. This conclusion is based on the assertion that the FBI used raw, unanalyzed, and uncooperated intelligence to kickstart the Crossfire Hurricane investigation. This is a damning indictment of the FBI's conduct, suggesting a failure to uphold its important mission of strict fidelity to the law. In the wake of the report's release, we've seen a wide range of reactions. On one side, we have GOP Rep. Jim Jordan, the chair of the House Judiciary Committee, who has invited Durham to testify about the report next week. On the other side, we have figures like MSNBC host Nicole Wallace, a fervent Russiagate booster who is quick to dismiss Durham's findings. Wallace accused the probe launched by Durham of being predicted on a, quote, rabbit hole conspiracy. This dismissal out of hand is indicative of the polarized reactions the report has elicited. The report delves into the controversial Steele dossier, a document that had been used by the FBI to bolster its case for probable cause to secure surveillance warrants against a former Trump campaign advisor. Durham's report criticizes the FBI's over-reliance on the dossier, stating that the Crossfire Hurricane investigation, quote, did not and could not corroborate any of the substantive allegations contained in it. Let's go back and get a quick recap of the Steele dossier, its key points and now debunked claims. The foundation was an alleged extensive conspiracy between Trump's campaign and the Kremlin. The dossier claimed that there was a well-developed conspiracy of cooperation between the Trump campaign and Russian leadership. However, the extensive Mueller report found insufficient evidence to establish that such a conspiracy ever existed. Next, the Carter Page and Igor Sechin meeting. The dossier alleged that the Trump campaign advisor Carter Page met with Russian oil company's Rosneft's president, Igor Sechin, in Moscow. Page has consistently denied this, and the Mueller report did not confirm this meeting. Michael Cohen's Prague visit. The dossier claimed that Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, secretly met with Kremlin officials in Prague in August 2016. No evidence has been found to support this claim. Russian efforts to influence the U.S. election. The dossier claimed that the Russian government had been cultivating and supporting Trump for at least five years, aiming to encourage divisions in the Western alliance. 
While Russian interference in the 2016 election is well documented and accepted by U.S. intelligence agencies, the specific claim of long-term cultivation of Trump has not been proven by any agency or investigation. Then there's compromising material on Trump. The dossier suggested that the Russian government had compromising material on Trump, which could be used for blackmail. This claim remains unverified. And Paul Manafort's role. The dossier suggested that Trump's former campaign manager, Paul Manafort, managed the collaboration with the Russian government. While Manafort was convicted on multiple counts unrelated to the election, the specific claim about managing a conspiracy with Russia was not confirmed by any agency or the Mueller report. Now, the Durham report also scrutinizes the purported effort by the Hillary Clinton campaign to tie Donald Trump to Russia. Durham concluded that this effort, quote, did not, all things considered, amount to a provable criminal offense. This finding is likely to fuel further debate about the nature and extent of political interference in our intelligence agencies. Former President Donald Trump has responded to the report, stating on True Social Monday, wow, after extensive research, Special Counsel John Durham concludes the FBI never should have launched the Trump-Russia probe. Now, let's turn to the role of Bruce and Nellie Orr in this saga, which reads like a fictional TV crime script, as reported by the Epic Times. According to the Durham report, Nellie Orr, the wife of former Justice Department prosecutor Bruce Orr, prepared a series of research reports for Fusion GPS. The D.C.-based opposition research firm, the Clinton campaign, commissioned to dig up dirt on Trump and Russia. These reports zeroed in on Sergei Milian and his connections to Russia and Trump, falsely portraying him as a key intermediary between the Kremlin and the Republican candidate. They would later provide the foundation for the dossier's many fictions. Durham suggests Nellie Orr planted the seeds of sourcing for the most explosive allegations leveled by the dossier against Trump, including the off-sided notion that he and his campaign were engaged in a, quote, well-developed conspiracy of cooperation with the Kremlin. The dossier attributed this falsely to Million. Durham found that the Belarusian-American realtor was never a source for the dossier and was simply invented as one along with the allegations attributed to him. Meanwhile, Bruce Orr, an anti-Trump Democrat, pushed his wife's report that cited Millian, 12 in all, onto the crossfire hurricane team at FBI headquarters that was investigating Trump and his campaign for possible espionage. Agents used her reports as a source of cooperation, for the steel reports they received in the summer and fall of 2016, even though it was circular reporting. In essence, the FBI wasn't really investigating, quote, crown reporting, as officials referred to Steele's dossier, implying it was British intelligence. More accurately, it was investigating information from inside its own department that was laundered through Steele and his dossier. On the media front, Fusion GPS also pitched the press the false narrative that Millian was a key intermediary 
between Trump and Russia. Throughout the summer and fall of 2016, Fusion GPS also promoted to the Washington media the false allegation the Trump campaign maintained a secret hotline to Moscow through Russian-based Alpha Bank. In an attempt to tie Millian to the Alpha Bank allegations, Durham found that Fusion GPS sought the assistance of Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman, who in turn contacted D.C. tech executive Rodney Jaffe to determine if Millian had any ties to Alpha Bank. In the end, Durham's report is a sobering reminder of the complexities and controversies that have surrounded the Trump-Russia probe. As we continue to grapple with these issues, it's crucial that we strive for transparency, accountability, and a commitment to the rule of law. This saga is far from over, and you can count on RP to continue to follow it closely. Before we move on to our next HUD then update, please take out your phones and follow us on Twitter at RantingRP, where you can submit feedback, topics, and have your questions answered on our show. If you like ranting politics and support independent thought, press that like and follow button on your podcast feed to help support our distribution on this startup podcast. We are working hard to bring you insights free from agendas and commercial interests. Now, when you thought the crime in lawless Seattle has by now seen it all, a new alarming situation is unfolding in South Seattle as reported by the Post Millennial, where entire zip code 98118 is being held hostage by a wave of mail thefts. This is not a random act of mischief, but a calculated assault on the very fabric of our society, our trust in the system, and our right to privacy. The 98118 zip code, home to one of the most ethnically diverse populations in the United States, is now a battleground, a master key, a skeleton key to the lives of approximately 49,000 people has fallen into the wrong hands. The culprits are not just stealing mail. They are stealing the peace of mind of thousands of residents who are now left in the dark, uncertain about when or if their mail will ever reach them. The thieves, with their ill-gotten key, are in and out in a minute, leaving behind a trail of violated privacy and stolen identities. The U.S. Postal Inspector for the Seattle area is on the case, but the damage has already been done. The USPS, in a shocking revelation, announced that robberies of mail carriers nationwide are up almost 50% this fiscal year compared to last year. This is not an isolated incident. It is a nationwide epidemic. The USPS, in a desperate attempt to regain control, is replacing approximately 49,000 arrow locks with electronic locks. But the timeline for these changes remains shrouded in secrecy. Meanwhile, the residents of 98118 are left to pick up their mail from the post office, their trust in the system shattered. The situation is further exacerbated by the fact that the USPS has no idea how many arrow keys are in circulation. A 2020 audit revealed that local units did not adequately report lost, stolen, or broken keys. This is a glaring oversight, a failure of the system that has left thousands of people vulnerable. But the story doesn't end there. Earlier this month, it was revealed that a post office in Seattle 
has been grappling with an increasing number of gas thefts from delivery trucks. This has resulted in hundreds of thousands of dollars in losses for USPS, not to mention the damage to the equipment. To add insult to injury, Seattle's violent crime rate reached a 15-year high in 2022, surpassing the record set in 2021. Over 600 officers have left the department since the city council defunded the police in response to the riots in 2020. This is a city in crisis, a city where the residents are left to fend for themselves while the authorities scramble to regain control. As first reported by Axios and Just the News, in a move that marks a significant escalation in the ongoing tech cold war, Montana has become the first U.S. state to impose a total ban on the Chinese-owned social media platform TikTok. The ban, signed into law by Governor Greg Gianforte, is set to take effect on January 1, 2024. This decision comes amidst a growing trend of Republican-led states issuing bans on the app on government-issued devices, following warnings from the FBI about potential national security threats posed by the platform. While the banning of TikTok on government devices is not a new phenomenon, the blanket ban imposed by Montana is a major escalation. It's one thing to restrict the use of a popular social media app on government devices, but it's quite another to ban it outright for all residents. This move has sparked a fierce debate about the balance between national security and First Amendment rights. TikTok, for its part, has vehemently opposed the ban, arguing that it infringes on First Amendment rights. A spokesperson for the company stated, Governor Gianforte has signed a bill that infringes on the First Amendment rights of the people of Montana by unlawfully banning TikTok. They further reassured Montanans that they can continue using TikTok to express themselves, earn a living, and find community as the company continues to defend the rights of its users inside and outside of Montana. However, the governor's office has defended the ban, arguing that it is necessary to protect the personal and private data of Montanans from the Chinese Communist Party. Caitlin Price, Gianforte's press secretary, stated, While the Chinese Communist Party may try to hide their nefarious spying and collection of individuals' personal, private, sensitive information under the banner of our First Amendment, the governor has an obligation to protect Montanans and their individual privacy right, as guaranteed by the Montana Constitution, from the Chinese Communist Party's serious, grave threats. The legislation, which was passed by the state's legislator last month, tasked the Montana Department of Justice with investigating any potential violations of the ban. It prohibits the operation of TikTok in Montana by the company and users. Internet service providers from offering TikTok and mobile application stores from providing the option to download the application. Violations of the ban by internet service providers and companies would result in a $10,000 fine per day for each violation, while residents would not be fined. This move by Montana is a clear reflection of the growing global concern over the potential security threats posed by Chinese tech companies. The U.S., the EU, Canada, and several other nations have in recent months moved to impose bans and other restrictions on the app in relation to official government devices. 
The Biden administration has even warned TikTok that it faces a ban in the U.S. if its Chinese parent company, ByteDance, does not sell its stake in the U.S. version of the app. Despite these concerns, Beijing has consistently denied any allegations that TikTok threatens any country's national security. TikTok CEO Chu testified before Congress in March that the app's parent company, ByteDance, is not an agent of China's ruling Communist Party. As we watch this situation unfold, it's clear that the debate over the balance between national security and individual rights in the digital age is far from over. The Montana TikTok ban is likely just the beginning of a larger conversation about the role of foreign-owned tech companies in our society and the potential threats they pose to our security and privacy. FBI Director Christopher Wray, for instance, has repeatedly warned of the app's potential threat to Americans. Quote, I guess my point is that just to tie it all up, TikTok is a substantial national security threat for the country of a kind that we didn't face in the past, he said in April. What we can say for certain is this. This is a significant escalation in the ongoing tech cold war. Please like and or follow us. Ranting Politics on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or other podcast outlets. You can follow us on Twitter at RantingRP. As always, thank you for listening to our headline updates for Ranting Politics, May 18th, 2023. Until next time, take care and stay free.